So that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Good morning and worship. Welcome to worship. It is a blessing indeed for us to be able to gather as the family of God here in this sanctuary. And if you're at home in your living room or your dining room or wherever you may be, you're still gathering with us as a family of God. Uh, If you're happening to be visiting with us for the first time today, I'm Pastor Ann and I am blessed and honored to serve alongside Pastor Andy here at the Way Woodstock, where we are a, commi- a, a community that is committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Today, as you've already heard, it is the beginning of Holy Week. It is Palm Sunday. And we might remember and reflect upon this is the day that Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And the people are spreading their cloaks on the ground and they're waving palm branches on the road. And they are praising God in loud voices, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now it seemed to be a time of celebration. Yet Jesus is fully aware of what lies ahead for him. Everything he has done as he proceeded to Jerusalem has been very, very intentional, conveying important messages to the people. In our journey this Lenten season, we've been traveling with Jesus, reflecting on the invitation that he offers each of us to bring our wounds, our pain, and our suffering to the cross. We can also bring any concerns or fears we might have regarding the uncertainty that we may be facing in light of what is happening in our country and in our world. This is a time for all of us to put our faith into practice at an even deeper level. To claim the promises of God, to know that he is with us and he is for us in the midst of whatever may be going on in us and around us. James 4, 8 reminds us, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, James continues that verse, telling us that we're to cleanse our hands and we're to purify our hearts. And I think both sections of that verse are pretty appropriate for us today. So let us draw near. Let us draw near as we listen to today's scripture. So hear the word of God from the book of Luke. The 23rd chapter, verses 26 to 34. 
As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Serene, who was on his way in from the country, and they put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people following him, including women who mourned, wailed for him. Jesus turned and he said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women whose wombs have never bore and the breasts that have never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please join me in prayer. Father God, we humbly come before you today. As we enter into this week, Holy Week, enable us to see more clearly than ever how great your love is for all your children. Help us remember the price you paid to bring us home. Jesus, we thank you that you didn't run away. Knowing the pain you were facing, you kept moving toward the cross. You knew your purpose. You knew what you had come to do. Not only did you experience all the emotions that we experience in our lives, you also endured the excruciating emotional and physical pain of the cross. And then you took upon yourself all of our sins, all those ways that we've hurt ourselves, hurt others, and hurt you, Lord, by our self-centeredness. You bore them for us. You took the punishment we deserved. That was part of your purpose. And in fulfilling your purpose, you opened a door for us. You provided a doorway that when we step through, we can leave behind those things that have kept us in bondage. The cross is that doorway to new life. Holy Spirit, it is by your power that we can walk in new life. Continue to speak into our lives, showing us the way of love. Continue to redirect our focus to the one place where we can receive freedom and healing, the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Now, as we reflect on today's scripture, it may seem that we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. On Palm Sunday, we usually focus in on that triumphant and victorious entry into Jerusalem. But, as Andy said a little bit earlier, that wasn't where the victory was won. Today's scripture shows us where the victory was won on the cross. 
But it not only shows us where the victory was won, it shows us how the victory was won. With the words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. These past five weeks, our sermon series has been based on the book, Wounds That Heal, Bringing Our Hurts to the Cross by Stephen Siemens. We've not only reflected on the places where we've been wounded or hurt, but we've walked with Jesus and we've witnessed that he too experienced those same feelings that we've encountered. Jesus experienced rejection in many forms. That night in the garden, when he asked his disciples to stay awake and pray, and they slept. He experienced it when he was, when he was there by disloyalty, he was arrested. He experienced betrayal from Judas when he gave him that kiss on the cheek. He experienced unfairness when he was found guilty of a crime he didn't commit. And then there was the mockery from the trial and even as he hung on the cross, and the physical and emotional abuse being flogged, struck in the face, spit on, crowned with thorns, and having his hands and feet pierced by nails. Jesus experienced shame, the shame of being hung on a cross, which was the most horrible and degrading of all forms of execution. He experienced disappointment, He actually felt abandoned, not only by those that he called his friends, but he even felt abandoned by God as he hung on the cross. And he experienced oppression as he surrendered himself over to the authorities to be taken into captivity. He surrendered himself. Last week, Andy talked about how many times we try to avoid our pain and that by doing so, we just create more problems for ourselves in terms of addictions and or relational issues. We, were, we are encouraged, again, to look to Jesus to see how he embraced pain with arms outstretched on a cross. He not only accepted his own pain, but he took on all the pain caused by our sin, the sin of all humanity. We were reminded that in order to heal, we have to face the facts of what has happened, acknowledge our wounds without making excuses, and allow ourselves to grieve the losses associated with them. Andy reminded us, we can't go around it, we can't go over it, we can't go under it, we have to go through it. But we don't have to go through it alone. We can look to the cross Christ's courage can become our courage. He overcame the cross, sin, and death and rose by the power of God to new life. And that's what he wants for us, new life. It's the love of Jesus that enables us to be transformed through our suffering. We can know that in our suffering, Jesus is with us. And just as with Mary and Martha, when Lazarus had died, he has compassion for us and he weeps with us. As we look at our pain and the unfairness of life and the unanswered whys regarding why things had to happen the way they did, we need to be aware of the fact that we hold 
resentment. And that resentment may be toward those who wronged us, toward others that could have prevented or intervened. It may even be against ourselves. We hold resentment to ourselves. Or it may even be that we resent God. If we've not consciously released this resentment, it's likely that we still hold it in our hearts. There is a part of us that resents the fact that we've been hurt, that we've been wronged, and that we've been treated unfairly. And there is a part of us that hates the person or the persons that we hold accountable for that hurt. Yes, whether we want to admit it or not, there is that part in each of us. It may not be easy for us to admit this, yet we're told in 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Our hearts can become hardened if we don't confess and ask God for forgiveness. So the last step in dealing with our feelings regarding our hurts is to confront those feelings of resentment and anger. This is an incredibly important step because as Nelson Mandela once said, holding on to resentment and anger is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemy. Our resentment and our anger only hurts us. And it can show up in lots of different ways. If we're experiencing extreme anxiety or fatigue or depression or headaches or extra illnesses, these are ways that our anger and resentment can show up in us. Anyone here experiencing any of those things? So what do we do? How do we move out of this pain, past this pain, and move into a future with new life? We look to the cross, and we hear those words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Forgive. Before we go any farther, we want to clarify what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not denial, pretending that it's okay or that it really doesn't matter. Forgiveness is not repression, repression, stuffing those feelings down, burying them. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not being someone's doormat. Forgiveness is not a feeling. So just what is forgiveness? It's a choice. Forgiveness is a choice to release another person or persons. Many times we have difficulty forgiving because we feel like it lets the offender off the hook. And we really want them to pay for what they've done. This is a God-given voice within us. Justice. The desire to see justice in all relationships has been planted in our hearts by God. But forgiveness is also a choice 
to allow God to be God in seeing that justice is done. In forgiving, we achieve justice not by insisting that the guilty party pay for the wrong. We allow God to figure out how that shows up. Forgiveness is also a choice to become more like Jesus. We choose to bear the pain of the injustice that was done to us. James 2.13 reminds us, mercy triumphs over judgment. When we forgive, we bear the pain, we release our offenders, and we turn them over to God. Seaman stresses that the importance of forgiveness, he stresses the importance of forgiveness with these words. Forgiveness unlocks the door to healing, restoration, freedom, and renewal. Until we open that door, we remain stuck in the past, kind of like we were stuck this morning, stuck, not moving forward. We remain stuck in the past, destined to carry the hurt and the burden forever without hope of a restored heart or a renewed future. Now, I'm going to read that again because that's a, a really, really important statement. Forgiveness unlocks the door to healing, restoration, freedom, and renewal. Until we open that door, we remain stuck in the past, destined to carry the hurt and burden forever without hope of a restored heart or a renewed future. Think about that for a minute. That's how important forgiveness is. As we release our feelings of resentment and bitterness, we begin to see things differently. We come to realize that those who hurt us were actually broken people acting out of their own brokenness. When people act out of their own self-centeredness, they are not thinking of others. And maybe it's that they can't. They just aren't capable when the focus is on them. And what they want. So we remember the words of Jesus as he hung on the cross. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. So forgiveness really is about you. It's so you don't have to walk around bound up, burdened by bitterness and resentment. It has to do with your attitudes toward those who wronged you. Seeking justice has to do with actions towards others. Our attitudes and our actions are not opposed to one another. Forgiveness and promoting justice go hand in hand. When we make the decision to forgive, our concern in promoting justice is not to avenge ourselves or hurt our offenders, but to protect ourselves and others from future injury At the offender's hands. Forgiveness doesn't allow an offender to keep on offending. As we forgive, we assume responsibility, though, for our attitudes and actions. And we are declaring that what happened to us doesn't define who we are. We have an identity apart from our pain. Seaman states that forgiveness strikes a blow at the heart of one's victim status. 
We may have been a victim, but we don't have to stay there. When we stop and we forgive, we stop allowing the the offender to exert control over our lives. In forgiving and releasing the person to God, God gives us the opportunity to embrace new life that only he can give. Last week, I preached at Sardis Methodist Church in Buckhead, and I preached on the scripture of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And you know, the story was Lazarus had died. He'd been buried. He was in the tomb. He'd been there for four days. His body supposedly had started to decay. But Jesus goes, tells him to, to move the stone away, and he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. And, of course, he comes out wrapped in his grave cloths. And then he gives a final command. And it's and the final command is, take off his grave cloths and let him go. Now, although Lazarus had been called out in new life, he still had to be unbound. You know, if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we have been given new life. But some of us may still be bound up in our grave cloths. As I thought about our need to forgive, I couldn't help but think about those grave cloths. In our lives, we can become bound with the grave cloths of the world and of our past. Mistakes made, pain experienced. And if we've accepted Jesus, we have been given that new life. However, sometimes we fail to live out of that new life because we're still bound to the past. We're bound to past behaviors, past resentments, past unforgiveness, and past pain. Forgiveness is the process of unbinding so that we can truly live out the new life that Christ gives us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Forgiveness is first and foremost a matter of our will. Are you ready to be unbound? Now, there may be some amongst us who have been hurt so bad that the the suffering that we've experienced is so great that there is nothing inside us that wants to forgive. Absolutely nothing. Sometimes we simply have to get on our knees and pray. Lord, make me willing to be made willing to forgive. I don't, I'm not really sure that forgiveness, it is a, there is an act of will on our part, but I think it's kind of like God's grace. I think there's, we have to be willing, but he's the one who does the final forgiving. Forgiveness begins with our decision, our will, but it is a process. Repressed emotions and memories may rise up from time to time, and when they do, we pray. Lord, I reaffirm my will to forgive. Heal the hurt and cleanse the hate. I want to walk freely. We're reminded in Colossians 3, 12 to 14, not only who we really are, but also how we are to forgive. Therefore, 
as God's chosen people. That's who we are. God's chosen people. Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Do any of us here need to forgive someone today? It might be a relative, a husband, a wife, a friend, someone you work with, maybe even yourself, maybe even God. Take a few moments. Janice is going to come up and she's going to play for us. And while she's playing, I want you to think about any unforgiveness you hold in your heart. And I want you to go to the foot of the cross. You're going to look up at Jesus and you're going to hear him speak those words. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Allow those words to sink into your heart and become the words of your heart. Prepare to release all those things that have bound you and receive the new life lived in the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Janice, go ahead and start playing, and I'll pray, and then we'll have an altar time when you can come up and you can release if you'd like. Lord, we so hunger for all that you have for us. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you were willing to die for the sins of the world. Those each of us have committed and those committed against us. Help us to accept your love and to allow your love to heal all our wounds. Help us to breathe deeply in the breath of new life. To grow in your love and extend your love to others. Be with us all in our times of uncertainty and need. Fill us with your spirit and bring peace to our souls. Bring your healing to our hearts and to our world. And help us to always remember, by your wounds, we are healed.